In this show, we interview Dr. Kay Kim, who in 2011 published a paper, The Creativity Crisis, The Decrease in Creative Thinking, which highlighted a steady and persistent decline in creativity since the mid-90s, whilst IQ continues to rise. It made the front page of Newsweek magazine and led to a period of national soul-searching, particularly about the way in which our education systems have focused almost entirely on the acquisition of facts and acing examinations. Kay's research was based on the analysis of the Torrance Creativity Test that's been taken by millions of children in 50 languages over the past 50 years. What is so significant about the test is the correlation to lifetime accomplishment is more than three times stronger for childhood creativity than for childhood IQ. Kay is passionate about reversing that decline because she argues it's stalling our economy and our ability to solve the world's biggest problems. She also has a fascinating story coming from a very poor rural part of Korea to becoming one of the world's most influential academics. And as you'll see, she's a huge character and is about to rock the world again with some new research, which perhaps a little unexpectedly, even to herself, she provides an exclusive trail to Scott and I. Hey folks, welcome back to the Evolving Leader Podcast. I'm Scott Allender. And I'm John Gomes. How are you feeling today, John? I am feeling very excited because I'm looking at one of the world's most interesting people. And who's that? And I'm not talking about you, Scott, by the way, just to clarify <laughs> oh. here. <laughs> I was like, you get, to, you get to look at me all the time. What's new? I'm talking about Dr. Kay Kim. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kim. Thank you for inviting me. So, um, Kay, we're here to learn about what you discovered in your research into creativity at an individual, at a leadership and a societal level. That's a big subject. But we must start with your remarkable childhood and what propelled you to being one of the most respected and influential people in your field. Can you tell us a little bit about that part of your life? Well, I wanted to be somehow inspired how can I say, inspire, inspiring, but not really. Because um, uh, when I was little, I just uh, found some injustice. For example, like when I, was, uh, when I graduated elementary school, I was supposed to get the valedictorian award, but I was denied only because I was a girl. So another boy got the award, okay? So mm. it's... Uh, so I um, complained, but it didn't work. And then later in graduate school, in my doctoral program, I asked a lot of questions to professors. And also I, and like, sometimes I disagreed with the professors. And then one of them <clears throat> didn't like that at all. So I had to repeat entire like, one more semester and then I became an English teacher there, and then so public uh, school, uh, middle school, high school English teacher. So I wanted to uh, motivate my students to learn English uh, in a fun way. So I did a lot of activities. I even taught uh, like pop songs from, you know, UK or US. And then, but I got the lowest teacher um, evaluation from my supervisors. So it means. It's uh, something, whenever I did something different or some, uh, I challenged the status quo or authority or just uh, 
it um it killed me right so um i didn't even know why i was different so i always uh, blamed myself for being different and then finally i came to us and then i found that yeah i didn't fit there it means the culture it's culturally you know it's a uh, no asian culture really um have a strong uh, social conformity press pressure so that's like really uh, killing creativity, people's creativity. That's, yeah, that's, it's uninspiring, but that was uh, my motivation. Your early, your really early childhood, I mean, um, in your book, you talk about, you, you came from a very poor um, village with very everybody low. Poor. Hmm? Everybody was poor around. Everybody was poor, yeah. But you had very low access to, to education and so on. Yeah, so yeah, it's oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, yeah, so, but, well, earlier, really, like, I had a lot of questions, too, you know, like, uh, two or three years old, you know, I didn't have a penis, which my <laughs> older brother has, right? No, it's, I asked my mom, and then she said, it's a, a rabbit took mine, so I just, uh, <laughs> I'm so distressed, I just, I was so, um, okay, frustrated, why? Because I found that even, like, at, like, age three, I already found that, Having penis uh, um, gives you a lot of, um, you know, privileges or advantages, like many, many benefits there. So, um, yeah, I didn't like that. And then so I went to church and then uh, I asked a lot of questions to my pastor. And then he said I have a devil in me because I am doubting all the times. So I don't have any wow. what is the faith. So anyway, so since early, it was, uh, it has been like that. But my mom actually encouraged my curiosity. And then I went to, you know, even though we were poor, uh, when I was in uh, middle school, first year middle school, I got scholarship. We don't have any, you know, need-based scholarship. It's just a merit-based scholarship. I got scholarship from U.S. military people near my hometown like there was so that really can i say inspired me why because it's like they don't even know me they are not related to me at all and they give money right so it's a, it was just like a new way of life so i just thought that i could be like that i could i could be successful and i could help other people who i don't know one who, who so without any return that's why if we could jump forward a little bit, uh, what was the conditions that led to you writing the article that then became the book? Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, every decade, the in intelligence is uh, increasing every decade worldwide, right? So the people assumed that creativity is uh, uh, increasing too. But um, when I looked at uh, the trend of uh, creativity, uh, scores uh, uh, measured by the Torrens test, I found uh, it's uh, declining, so that's why, yeah. Mm. And also before that, even before that, uh, I thought it's intelligent, because I studied intelligence in my Korean PhD program. When I was studying intelligence, I, I found that something is not right, because like, when I looked at the uh, Nobel Prize winners, a lot of them didn't have really high high intelligence. Okay, so and then later I found that it's a creativity. You know, you know to uh, produce something novel and uh, valuable. You know, 
you, you have to have some kind of creativity. So that's how I started um, thinking about uh, creativity is different from intelligence. So it started earlier, yeah. Hmm. That's fascinating. And, and in the book, um, The Creativity Challenge, you, you talk about the decline in creativity amongst uh, America's children and how that's playing out into innovation and the long-term effects of that on the U.S. economy and our competitiveness. Um, how did how did you come to that understanding? And I'm curious too, has has that changed since 2016 when you wrote the book? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Yes. Uh, in fact, I just finished um, updating the study. I mean, I, at the time... Uh, I used the data up to uh, 2008, but recently I got data from 2017. So I analyzed again, and then um, it's, uh, it's, it's getting worse, even worse, especially wow. among very young children, like the early, uh, early, uh, early childhood and then uh, kindergartner like that. And then also I looked at um, wor- the world. Why? Because after the creativity crisis paper and then my book, I got so many uh, questions from all over the world, especially from UK people. I don't know. Somehow I think the UK people are interested in creativity. I don't know. So they asked me, how about UK? And then so I looked into uh, PISA. Do you know PISA? Yeah, so, so OECD made the PISA, right? So and then every um, three years, since 2000, every three years, uh, uh, students, 15-year-old uh, students around the world take a uh, uh, test, reading, science, and uh, math. Then, uh, the people just uh, know about the test scores and the ranking, country rankings, right? But they don't know about the survey questionnaires. So I analyzed the survey questionnaires by answered by teachers and students and uh, parents. Then I looked at their um, creative uh, attitude, you know, mindset and thinking skills like uh, based on their um, responses. Uh, I found that um, U.S. is still doing better than uh, other countries, including U.K., or other European countries, especially, you know, but big difference between Western countries and Eastern countries, you know? You know, like uh, Asian countries have been top on the list on students' PISA scores, but uh, their creativity is the lowest. So it means everybody eat, everybody in the, you know, every education system in the world are rising. Um, if they want to try to like reduce creativity right now. So, uh, U.S. creativity is declining, but it's still better than other countries' creativity. So, what's happening to us? Why why are we going this direction? So, uh, there are many uh, reasons, but uh, first of all, you know, in order to um, the beginning of creativity is actually curiosity. Uh, curiosity drives learning, okay? and then uh, when you are curious about something, and you can find some interest, and then you develop like uh, you know more about the the topic, right? But mm. because uh, uh, the world education is more like uh, it's not because it's every time. 
PISA, uh, uh, or the OECD announces the ranking of uh, the countries uh, around the world, a lot of countries become panic, okay? And then actually they are trying to uh, copy or try to follow Asian education system right now, okay? So, but, so it means it's a, you know, to have a high test scores, okay? High test scores is different from learning, okay? You know, to get high test scores, you have to um, be, okay, you have to be interested in the topic, right? Instead of just memor memorizing. Right now, just without curiosity or uh, interest, you just uh, try to memorize. And then, so I found that students who have a high uh, test scores there, are more likely to have a low mm, enjoyment or, or interest uh, in learning the topic also. Okay. Wow, that's so, fascinating. And also, you know, you need uh, uh, imagination, okay? But when you are told to memorize this and to just uh, uh, accept it, then, and also you have to choose one of the four uh, choices, right? They, there's, mm. So it means you are discouraged well, from thinking other answers, a lot of different answers, because you have to just uh, focus on choosing one, right? Yes. Right. So, yeah. And also, the last one, we need critical thinking also to be creative. But without uh, questioning why you learn it or whether it's like, uh, so it means you just accept it. Uh, what you are told, then there's no critical thinking also. So it's, uh, there are many reasons. And then the biggest uh, uh, trend is the conformity. So it means uh, uh, people uh, like, uh, have a, a one right answer, right? They have a one right answer and then you have to focus on that. So you can't really think differently. So then like, uh, as a society, um, being different is a, uh, Bad, right? So it's but you know in order to uh, make something novel, something unique, so you have to be you have you have to think independently, and you have to be non-conforming. So that's why. I think both Scott and I, who have children, would recognize the uh, the difference between our childhood educations and and our children's, which have been a fairly forced march from five. Mm -hmm. through test after test after test and um, very little time to, to daydream and play and be children compared to, to, to our time. So, yeah. yeah, I can see how curiosity is being ground out of our system. Um, what, so what's the, anti what's the answer to this? What's the antidote? Um, so the antidote is I am um, I'm writing for adults because... Uh, in order to change the education or the worldwide creativity, I realized that I have to change the adult first, their mindset first. That's what uh, I'm doing. And then actually, it's, it has been really successful in Asian countries, especially in Korea. I'm from Korea. but So I am actually changing their education system. So they listen to me right now because I'm old enough. <laughs> so you know, age is really important there. So, um, uh, but I, I think that um, I can change U.S. education or worldwide education with this new book. It will be really shocking. The new book will be shocking. Right. Because I found mm -hmm. the, the, 
close relationship between um, creativity and sexuality. You, you lay out in the book the conditions where creativity can flourish. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah. Because you, so, you use a natural metaphor for it, which I find uh, really interesting. Uh, so it's, uh, I use the metaphor of uh, developing creativity for growing apple trees in my book. That worked well in Asian countries, which are normally what? It's a farming, traditional farming countries, right? But it didn't really work well in the US. That's why I found the metaphor of sexuality. (laughs) 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 That's why, yeah, but that might be more interesting. Um, But uh, I found that the first condition is like, like a sunny, you know, sun climate, you know, climate that is a playful, like uh, that encourages curiosity. And then a mm, second one is a storm climate, storm, right? Um, you need to uh, develop a strength based on your curiosity and interest. Something you know more about uh, a topic of your interest, and then you know something. Okay, so based on, so focusing on your uh, strengths, not weakness, you just ignore weakness and then you uh, focus on strength. So you build the strength and storm climate. And then the third one, soil climate. So I mean, the, you have to be in a uh, like a fertile, like really rich soil, which means that you need to uh, work with others. It's more than collaboration. It's uh, like, I call it cross-pollination. It means, uh, you know, you talk with the people, not uh, collaboration is like a formal, you know, collaborating, you know, t- for a specific goal. But, you know, after work in the, in the Silicon Valley, after uh, work, you go to a bar and then you drink a beer with uh, another, like, uh, people. And then you happen to talk about what you have done. So and then the, you, um, you get some idea from others like that, right? That. And then the last one is uh, space climate. It's uh, like uh, you need to have time and uh, uh, space for yourself. It means you have to be alone. You have to, you have to think uh, uh, really deeply and also like uh, think differently. It means uh, uh, be non-conforming. Yeah. So if if you um, uh, were thinking about helping an adult to build a mindset. Because your your apple tree metaphor was very focused on schools and education, and and but you're now focusing on adults as well. I think the same things apply. But what, yeah. what would you practically what would you practically to say to somebody who perhaps a leader that's become very expert focused and lost the curiosity and lost the you know the openness to the world around them? What what would you say they should be starting to do differently? So it applies to. Uh... Uh, what is it? Organizations, institutions, the same. You know, the first phase is a knowledge phase. I mean, the preparation. Uh, you have to get knowledge. So it means that each person has to uh, focus on like a unique. Uh, what is it? U- unique knowledge. It means they focus on their curiosity, interest. They they know one. Um, one topic very well, so they accumulate knowledge, right? And then after that, it's a imagination. You, when you find some, when you accumulate knowledge in one field, one topic, 
you can find some kind of a new uh, problem to be solved, or you can you want to improve something like that, right? Then and then and then it, because it's new, if you can't solve the problem using existing knowledge, you have to use imagination, right? So um, then uh, after you imagine alone, so always like that. Whenever you have, have some kind, uh, companies want sometimes like uh, as a team, you want to generate new ideas, right? Then you have to uh, first uh, generate ideas or idea alone, okay? And then after that, you share ideas together. So it means uh, um, uh, solo ideation and then uh, uh, collective ideation. That's the second phase, it's uh, ideation phase. The last one is uh, actualization. So you means actually you you get some idea that but imaginative idea, but that's good for uniqueness or novel novelty. But it might not be really realistic. So and then the last phase in the actualization phase, you um, using crit critical thinking, you actually make into uh, real. So it's uh, um, I don't know. We have to follow these uh, three. Uh, phases, um, but each phase has a different right, focus. And with the first knowledge phase, you have to be focused, right? And uh, like uh, you have the, the gold ribbon. And then second phase, you should be unfocused and uh, um, it's like process driven. You, you don't think about it and then you just, you just immerse in it and then you have fun. And then the last phase is uh, both. Um, when you evaluate the ideas, you have to focus on goal and um, you know, rationality. But at the end, when you promote what you have done, then you have to have empathy. So you have to focus on the process and the emotion. So I mean, the first rationality is first phase, uh, knowledge phase for rationality. Second, imagination phase, emo emotion. And then third, uh, uh, actualization phase, First, like rationality and the emotion. So it's a lot of different, but uh, I guess for, I, what I have found is the most important thing is in imagination phase, uh, sex really helps, you know? And then especially <laughs> it's not one night stand. It has to be like a bonding or lovemaking that really helps your imagination. Yes. So, all right, so we, we can't let you off the hook here. You have to tell us a little bit more about why that's the case. So to imagine something, you, of course there, is, um, there are two kinds of imagination. One is a conscious, the other is subconscious. So if you use a conscious imagination, it's like a, just a reproductive, it's a not really, really new. But if you use a, a subconscious imagination, you can really think about like a unrealistic or crazy or weird or a new idea, right? So, but in order to do that, um, you have to be immersed in the process and also you have to have a really positive emotion, positive emotion, strongest positive emotion. So uh, when we are engaged in sex, uh, if, it's, if it's good, then like uh, you produce the strongest positive emotion, okay? And also uh, when uh, you are, uh, in love with someone like that, then the, you, you, you tend to, your mind tended to see the big picture, long-term picture, like eternity, eternity, forever love, like that, right? 
So and then your mind becomes really wide, broad, and then then you can uh, you can think beyond the constraints, beyond the blocks, and then you uh, you can you you couldn't imagine what other people don't see. Well, that that makes that makes real sense. How did you get to that? Where, where was the insight that that led you to to kind of seeing that? Yeah. So even before I published the, um, the book in 2016, you know, before I noticed there's something very similar between the two processes, sexuality and creativity. And then uh, before um, apple apple growing, right? Apple uh, apple tree growing. The end of uh, the the end result was an uh, apple quality apple, right? That that's innovation, and then now the end uh, product is an orgasm that ranges from small orgasm to big orgasm. So that's, and then okay. you have to be in the process. You can't think about the result all the time. Then you you, you can't get it. So it's, yeah. Well, we can't say we're not t- taking you down surprising ideas here. So that's really interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I never told anyone yet. This is the first time. This is a world exclusive. <laughs> Yeah, you heard know it here first. Why I, why I have to talk about this? <laughs> oh God! Yes. Oh dear. Well, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> How do you think you know talking to the, your audiences uh, about this? Uh, it will be received, and particularly, I'm thinking about uh, quite sort of conservative audiences um, yeah, yeah. Is, as well in in Korea and others where you're. How, how what kind of reaction are you getting to this? I'm doing everything uh, based on research, research findings, right? So that's why it has been taking long time. You know, I don't sleep more than three hours a day. I'm just reading all the time. So that's why I don't have a personal life. But anyway, so, yeah. You mean you're not taking your own medicine? (laughs) I just, um, I'm really, um, I think it's my mission to uh, change the, World education, okay. Uh, but this, uh, uh, for example, okay, creativity is declining, and also at the same time, um, people, you know, like you know, national study, people who have sex um, are declining. It means uh, fewer sex than before, okay. Yeah. And uh, and also, um, young adults like uh, how can I say? Uh, senior uh, high school students and uh, college students, they delay their adulthood practice, which is like driving or getting a job or dating or going out without parents like that. So it means they are more protected, okay? So uh, instead of uh, um, you know, giving children uh, information and then they decide based on the information. They, they make a conclusion or a choice based on the information. But right now, children are told what to think instead of how to think, right? Mm. So it's like, uh, it's not just, uh, and, uh, it's, it doesn't look, if you know, if you read the book, it doesn't sound like it's like a really, uh, what is it like? A controversial. Cheap? It's not what? controversial. It's not controversial. Not but however, you know, conservative people would find uh, offensive. Uh, yeah, but but in in Korea, yes, it will be shocking. However, I'm older now. Before, when I whenever I went, like uh, for example, two thousand eight, 
I talked about how we have to change the culture, like that conformity, hierarchical societies, like that. They were like, oh, you became like Americanized too much to be patriotic to Korean countries. It's like you, you are too Americanized, so they dismissed me. But now uh, I am older enough so I'm older than most professors there because they have, you know, uh, what is it, the retirement age. They have to retire, but we don't have to here in the U.S. So I'm older, in, older than any other professors, so they listen to me, so it's okay. So what, what I find interesting about this is that in probably the last 20 years, there's been a growing acceptance that the, the, the things that weren't regarded as relevant uh, to business, for example, like your sleep or your nutrition or your fitness or anything, are all becoming relevant because people are recognizing you can't make these divisions between who you are at work and who you are outside of work. So the kind of more integrated whole, we're starting to accept that every aspect of being human is relevant to every aspect of your life. And I think that's what you're talking about really here, yeah. isn't it? Yes. So basically, creativity and sexuality is a freedom of expression. It's a self-expression, expression, individual expression of who you are, really. Creativity, creative expression, and uh, sexual expression, both, yeah. I'm not just saying that. <laughs> everything, I, I took everything based on research, really, yeah. So many good insights. Um, let's bring it back to leadership for, for a minute. Our podcast, you know, we called it The Evolving Leader, for, for many of the reasons you're talking about, because we believe that it's not enough for leaders to just acquire knowledge and add that to their repertoire, that, that they actually must evolve and build a much bigger uh, worldview and develop these new mindsets to take on these new realities. I'm curious if you've got a, a line of sight uh, or an opinion on um, why you think some organizations, especially when I think about some of the biggest organizations in the tech space in America, are so effective at creating the climate for creativity and sort of, you know, leading out all other companies in that space. And that yet there's other organizations that when faced with a problem or a challenge, they kind of just think about replication, like you talked about earlier in the education system, right? Like, well, what are they doing and how are they doing it, right? We call it best practices. And it's it's not very creative, right? It might be safe because you could say, well, Amazon employed that practice, so we'll do it here. And then they find that it doesn't really work for them. Right. I'd love to get some of your insights on that. If you... so there are two kinds of, um, well, there are many kinds of, two kinds of creativity. One is you know, incremental. The other is radical, revolutionary, right? So, yeah. uh, for example, in the Asian countries, right, they are good at incremental creativity. It means that they can copy and then they can improve it. Okay? And then like a Samsung Galaxy, they can make more money. But, uh, Revolutionary, radical creativity requires imagination, you know? So you have to think about something totally new, right? Beyond the limitation, beyond the constraints, right? So in order to do that, there are four mindsets. First, um, big picture mindset, you have to see really big. If you are focused on just like making money right now, like a short term, like then it doesn't work, right? Second one is a playful, I told you, playful, mm. like playful mindset. Like if you are too serious, it's, it means you can't think new. It means you have to, you know, you have, you have to keep your sense of humor all the time, humor, right? 
But in Asian countries, humor is really disrespectable, you know. You know? Mm. And then third one is it's a risk-taking attitude, you know. So it means you have to try new, so it means it's really risky, right? risk-taking, right? And then the fourth, the last one is, I told you, non-conforming attitude. You need to be able to um, think differently. And uh, before like, you, how can I, you um, finalize your, what is it, idea, when you are developing your ideas, you have to be able to share uh, without thinking like other people would think me like uh, stupid or like my ideas are stupid. Or, so you have to be able to, uh, so it means the leaders of um, company should uh, foster this kind of impact, you know, what is it, climate that fosters big picture thinking, playful mindset and the risk-taking mindset and um, non-conforming mindset. Mm. Also, I told you having yeah. more sex helps, you know, <laughs> really. Okay, are there anything else, is there any other topics that are particularly firing you up at the moment or you're excited about that you'd like to talk about? In engaging in creative expression, right? Like without thinking about like what the result would, will be, like what, whether I can like achieve innovation or not, just, just engaging in creative expression has so many benefits, mental health, physical health, emotional health, so many. Okay, engaging in sexual expression is so, so many benefits, okay, both men and women, you know? There are so many benefits according to research. So uh, we really have to focus on both. Uh, without it, it doesn't work. We have to focus on both. Do, do you, outside of um, your academic work and mm-hmm. your, do, do you have any other specific outlets for creativity for yourself? Do you do other things to, to express yourself creatively? Um, no, you know, you, when you cook, look at this, okay? From small innovation to innovation, the smallest innovation, you cook without recipe. And then your family really enjoys it, right? That is uh, my and then another thing, as you know, in gardening, I just uh, love growing plants. Just, uh, um, you know, like, because you raise children, you know, every morning you see your children, you, you become happy, right? Right? Mm. Especially they don't say anything, you know. So plants, <laughs> plants don't, you know, talk to me, or plants don't argue with me, right? So, like, every morning I look at them, it's just... Uh, it's really relaxing and uh, it's really good. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. My kids are the best when they're sleeping. I like to look at them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well, Dr. Kim, it's been yeah. such an honor to have you on the show. Um, <laughs> so many great insights and I love your transparency. It's been really delightful. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I have to say, you are definitely an evolving leader. Um, can't see you standing still for a moment uh, no. in your progression. And your work has been inspiring to, to us uh, and to millions of others. And you are changing the world. So uh, with that, we say farewell. And we hope to talk to you again at some point, particularly when your next book comes out. Absolutely. Yes, that's what I want to tell you. <laughs> yes, okay. Thank you so much. Okay, <laughs> I enjoyed you. it.
Okay, bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Bye. Well, until next time, the world is evolving. Are you?